Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us this Saturday morning. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, Jason. Hope you are. I'm wonderful, Bill. It's uh, crazy to believe we've got another seminar coming up. Only uh, this is the second to last one for the year, Bill. I know. It, it, it blows my mind that it's already November. College basketball has started. It's uh, yeah. How about that? It's wild. Yeah, that's yeah. Makes my life better. I love to watch it. So. <laughs> well, uh, let's get to at least our first topic at hand, Bill. And last week we kind of ran out of time, but you were peppering me. You were grilling me with this financial quiz, trying to make sure that I was uh, up to snuff on various aspects of financial health and wealth. And uh, we're going to pick up where we left off. Well, it's fun. Uh, you know, it's the kind of thing people can. Uh, can uh, go along with us and and see uh, how they fare uh, with some of these questions. I mean, I, I think that they're interesting, and you know, why not? Why Let's not? do it. So, all right. So, um, all right. So, the next question is: Which one of these activities leads to more home fires in the United States? Okay, is it? Cooking or smoking? Cooking or smoking. I'm going to say that just because there's a greater percentage of people cooking, that cooking would be the answer. No. Eh. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, no, actually, that I sh- I shouldn't. It, it was one of those. It depends, but it's smoking actually causes the most home fire deaths. Okay. Yes, by fire. But you're correct. Cooking actually um, damaged is the most common home fire. Any idea of the average repair costs for a cooking fire? Oh, boy. I'll say $50,000. Actually, not even close. Okay. $6,600. Oh, I was way high. All right. Way, I mean, and that's, you know, the, the fact is, and it's one of the reasons why I have said that homeowner's insurance is outrageously priced because we, we pay a lot of money for a very low risk, at least in North Carolina, at least for fire because fire – is what we all worry about in terms of our home being destroyed. And I would never recommend to folks that they not have homeowner's insurance. And, of course, homeowner's insurance includes more than fire insurance. It includes liability insurance and loss of possessions and lots of other stuff as well. Um, But it's important also to understand in terms of shifting risk that the most and this is consistent with what I've said for a long time, is that the greatest percentage of house fires don't cause that much damage. And so, in essence, cooking fires uh, are, you know, truthfully, they don't cause that much damage because most of the time people do realize that there's a fire on the stove (laughs) or the like. And they and they're able to put it out very quickly uh, themselves, or they get the fire department over there very quickly and contain the fire and that sort of thing. 
and the, the whole discussion, really, when it comes down to it. Now, obviously, smoking is a big risk as well. And, uh, you know, fewer people are smoking, so you have fewer potential fires, and that's important too. And then there are other folks that smoke, but they never smoke inside their home or inside their vehicles. And that, of course, helps that percentage as well. So, the, and one of the reasons that I talk about fire insurance so much is because. I like to talk about it as it relates to long-term care insurance and uh, because the risk of a catastrophic house fire is, you know, less than one one one-hundredth of one percent, the risk of a fire is a little greater, but you're talking about the average house fire being under $7,000. And so to me, that is significant because for most people, long-term care insurance isn't that much more than their homeowner's insurance, depending on how old they are when they apply for it. And again, I tell folks you really need to apply for it while you're uh, middle-aged or younger, not not when you're getting ready to retire. Uh, Makes a big difference. But the fact is, is that, well, here's the next question. What percentage of people have a significant risk of long-term care? In other words, that will have a long-term care crisis and will pay out a bunch of money as it relates to their long-term care needs. What percentage of the adult population in the United States has that risk? What, what's the percentage risk? Uh, I would say 50%. You're low. Actually, when you take the entire adult population, it's 70%. Wow. And what would surprise you is that there's a fairly large percentage, higher than most people would think, of folks who are under 65 who need long-term care, who have disability issues, Um, a fairly large percentage. But 70% is the percentage. And so... When you're thinking about long-term care insurance, you have a – I mean, and and you're getting up there in age, and all of us know that our body goes downhill as we get older. I mean, whether we like it or not, it's just a fact of life. So the fact is is that we – all of us, during our entire life, we have a 70% chance that we're going to have a long-term care crisis. So would you want insurance to pay for it? And for those folks – and and the folks who are in the greatest need are middle class people. You know, if folks have have lots and lots of money and lots of lots of liquidity, they don't. I mean, they can self pay. They can self insure. They don't have to worry about it. But the, it's the middle class that really struggles in terms of paying for this care without losing everything. And that, of course, that's one of the reasons that. I encourage people to come to our long-term care seminars. And, of course, we're having those next week. Um, so we would encourage you. These, This is an important topic, even if you're not in a long-term care crisis, to learn about it and to understand what your options are and, and how you can deal with it. 
Yeah, and there's three seminars available on Wednesday, and this is Wednesday, November 13th. And Bill, you uh, will we be covering uh, the subject of asset protection as well in addition to we long-term care? We're going to do two seminars on long-term care, Medicaid, special assistance, veterans benefits to help families that need uh, financial assistance because long-term care is so darn expensive. And then we will do uh, our afternoon seminar will be on uh, how trusts work in North Carolina, uh, why they can be important to folks, and uh, how to uh, plan for asset protection. Uh, And, of course, we do a lot of asset protection when it comes to long-term care as well. But, you know, most folks are concerned about asset protection, whether they need uh, long-term care planning or not. And so... You know, we, we do it all. <laughs> yeah. Three wonderful seminars, two different topics. You can find all the information online at WGALaw.com. If you want to register, it's free to attend. Bill doesn't feed you. He will feel, feed your mind with knowledge of years and years of experience in this field. And again, WGALaw.com. Dot com is the website to register online for free, or you can call the office, 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We'll be talking more about the seminars, and we'll also maybe have some more questions for our financial quiz right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for being here with us. We are talking about the seminars that Bill has coming up on November 13th. That's this coming Wednesday. You can find more information at WGALaw.com. We're also continuing our financial quiz. And Bill, I'm off to a, a, a shaky start so far. Well, no, actually, I was the one who messed up on the first one. You actually got the answer correct. Oh, all right. And so we'll we'll give you uh, bonus points. For there that. we go. All I right, like that. Here's a, here's a tricky one. All right, um, you're investing your nest egg. Okay. And you're a do-it-yourselfer, and you're trying to have what what we would consider a diversified portfolio of investments. All right. So the question is, how many companies would you need to invest in so that you would have a truly diversified portfolio? And I'll give you a hint. It's more than one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, hmm. I will say. Well, let me just give you some options. Okay. All right. Multiple choice. I like this. 15. Okay. 30. 55 companies or 110 companies. 110 seems awfully specific. I will say, I will say 110. Correct. You are really doing great. Now, most people today actually don't invest that way because most folks, in fact, most investment advisors, instead of simply um, recommending 110 or more uh, companies to invest in directly, um, 
most investment advisors actually uh, recommend that you invest in a mutual fund or what I like even better than mutual funds, exchange-traded funds. Uh, And exchange-traded funds and mutual funds both tend to uh, invest in numerous companies, more than 110, in each mutual fund. Um, But, you know, they're – Quite frankly, there are um, – and, and now, just because you have a diversified investment does not necessarily mean that it, that it ends there in terms of the risk that you are taking because you have to understand that, that mutual funds tend to invest in a particular type of a company uh, – they may have good ad- advisors. They may have slack ones. Uh, you know, truthfully, there are a lot of mutual funds that um, that come and go. You know, if, if they start one and it doesn't pan out, uh, it goes away within a, uh, two or three years and, and if it's not successful. So – and then you've had others that are around for a long time. You also have a lot of index-type funds which invest in the entire – like S&P index would be a good example of, a, an, of an index fund that's used a great deal. But those are clearly um, diversified because it's uh, investing in a broad range of companies across the board. Uh, and, and truthfully, most, um, most foundations uh, have an S&P index fund as part of their uh, portfolio because uh, even though it's volatile and it goes up and down, all you have to do is look at the market uh, uh, over a period of years as a long-term investment, uh, an S&P index uh, does fairly well. Um, you know, you can't, you can't ever predict the future by the past, but it's been pretty consistent over the years uh, that if you stay invested and you don't pull out, uh, that over a 15-year period, uh, uh, you, you may, uh, based on history, um, earn 8% or close to it um, over each year over that 15-year period. So there's a lot to be said for that. And of course, the index funds tend to have lower management fees uh, than some of the other mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. And, of course, I would tell you that exchange-traded funds have index funds as well, and typically at lower cost than mutual funds. And one of the reasons I like exchange-traded funds uh, personally is because you know how much it's going to cost when you buy, and you know how much you're going to get when you sell which is never true for mutual funds because you typically will tell your advisor at some point during the day to buy or sell, and they won't know what the price is until that evening when the market closes because uh, mutual funds are just done differently. And I, I, I really think that Wall Street has convinced people that mutual funds are the only way to invest uh, and, and that's one reason why there's so many folks that lose a lot of money is because they believe what they read off of Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, now I'm a believer in being invested. Don't misunderstand. I think that's important for folks to be invested. And and um, and, 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 and there's a difference between investing and savings. 
uh, you know what the difference is? Uh, what's the difference? Well, with saving, there's generally no risk involved. You know you're going to get a very low percentage of interest. Right. Uh, like a savings account or a money market account or a certificate of deposit. But you all, now you actually, for most people, they can still lose money, but not because of risk of the volatility of the market. They lose money because of inflation. And because in most of those kind of accounts, inflation eats up most of their earnings and to to the degree that their earnings are taxed, you know, interest and dividends are taxed, the after-tax of those accounts typically puts you under the inflation. So because of that, um, uh, uh, that's not a particularly good idea for having all your money unless you're just so risk-averse that you can't deal with it. What I like to tell folks uh, is that they should think about it and have several different pots of money. And you you need a pot of money that where you have liquidity uh, for at least a year and you have, um, in other words, where there is no risk whatsoever. And then you need a couple other pots where you actually are taking more risk. And that's important for seniors to understand so that they can invest in the markets with a good advisor, hopefully, uh, because most people are going to live longer than they think, and no one wants to run out of money. And for many, many seniors, uh, the only way to actually make sure that that uh, uh, is is a good for them is by uh, having a longer-term perspective on their investments where they stay in the market and accept some risk. So they might be down this month or this quarter or this year, but over, over a period of two or three or four or five years, they're way, you know, they're, they're way ahead. And that's, that's what I think is important for folks to understand how it works. Yeah, understanding that is so key. And also, you know, as you said, factoring in inflation, that becomes a very important part to making sure that you're actually getting ahead. Right. Yep, exactly. We've got to take a quick break here. I want to remind you that there's still time to register for Bill's free seminars this Wednesday, November 13th. Go online to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button there. You can find plenty of information about how to register for free. You can also call 919-256-7000, A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. He's Bill Alexander. And we're continuing our conversation here with our financial quiz. And um, I've got one, Bill. I've got at least one, maybe two so far. So let's keep it rolling. Actually, you're doing great today. Today. Quite, a, quite unusual. Yes. <laughs> Agree. You know, hey, one day a year, I'm going to outperform. Ah, well, of course. We all have lucky days. I'll retire we? after this show. Bill. Okay, sure. All right, here's another one. Five years ago, if you were caught for violating the law relating to texting while driving, 
which, of course, is against the law in North Carolina. Um, of course, it, I don't think it was um, contrary to law five years ago, but if it were, uh, it was in some states. So the question is, uh, if you're caught texting while driving, if it, you had been caught five years ago, uh, your insurance rates for that would have increased about 1%. Okay, not very much. Right. All right, that, that's pretty good. However, if you're caught today in North Carolina, how much would your insurance rates go up? Would it go up 5%, 10%, 15%, 15 or 20%? Before you gave me the multiple choice, I was thinking 20%. So I'll, I'll go 20 Wow, you are 100% today. There nah, we that's go. That's exactly right. Uh, and and it, that's the percentage in most states. In some states, it actually, your rate would go up 50%. Wow. Depending on the state. But obviously, texting while driving is extremely dangerous. Now, I, I was in Georgia this past weekend, I, um, and Georgia actually has a law that's even more than uh, uh, texting while driving. In, in Georgia, and I may not get this exactly right, but it's uh, illegal in Georgia to be on your telephone while driving. Um, at, at least by, in other words, holding the telephone. In other words, right. if you have Bluetooth, you're okay. But holding the telephone to your ear uh, in Georgia or texting or using your phone in any way uh, while you're driving is illegal in Georgia. So, you know, that makes a difference if you don't have Bluetooth. It really does. <laughs> you got to be paying attention. Uh, well, I mean, for me... Uh, we just we we had to buy a, a new car to us this past weekend because we had a car that died. You know that it's just fact of life, and so this is the first time we've actually had a car with Bluetooth in it. So oh, so it's like, it, that's it's fun. Like, we're moving up. up in the world. You really are. <laughs> well, Welcome to the twenty first century. That's because I drive old cars till they die. That's my problem. <laughs> so that's just the way I am. Uh, it it uh, helps us to use money for other more important things, but uh, it, it is uh, what it is. Uh, and, and actually, uh, as it relates to planning, I, I need to go back to Georgia because, unfortunately, the, the reason uh, that I went to uh, Georgia uh, was for a funeral on Friday morning. My college roommate died, mm -hmm. and that was a huge shock to my system uh, because I like to think of how young I am, not how old I am. And uh, uh, it obviously was way, way too young. But, um, but and the service was wonderful. Uh, my co he. My college roommate was Mark Deiniger, and he was a wonderful man. He was prone to excess. Uh, uh, he was a reformed alcoholic, uh, but but you know he was sober for more than twenty five years, and and he created an Alcoholics Anonymous chapter there in Atlanta and saved hundreds of people. Wow! And at his funeral, there was just an outpouring of people. Um, 
uh, who had benefited uh, and saved by the work that he did. Uh, because he, w- he was one uh, who the, the Lord could have taken him 25 years ago. And in essence, uh, he made him an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> and so uh, Mark took him up on it and basically changed his life completely to help other people. And it was uh, pretty amazing in terms of the turnaround. I'll give Mark a lot of credit for that. Um, but one of the things that, uh, other than his death, that shocked me to my core was the fact that he left his uh, widow destitute for no reason. I mean, Mark was brilliant. He came from a good family that had money. He he traveled internationally. He did some really cool things business-wise. But apparently, he was taking a, a lot more risk than he should have, had no life insurance. And so... Uh, I had never been to a funeral before where there was a call to help the widow um, and financial help. Right. And and it was Mark's fault. And I really um, – uh, I know that I can help and will, but at the same time, it just – it, it shocks my system that anyone would not – uh, who who would not have enough planning in place to where and Mark was a lawyer and he was an international businessman, but he charged too much money on charge cards because of cash flow issues for his business and had no life insurance. And so when he left us, he left his wife with debt, a lot of debt, and no financial resources. And to me, that's wrong. I mean, that's horrible planning. We can do better than that. And, you know, but but what we have to acknowledge is that every day is precious to us, and we can't assume that we're going to be here tomorrow. And, yes, it's, I mean, yeah, people hear me preach. Yes, it starts with having the right documents, but it also starts with having, uh, with starting early, you know, because if you're going to have life insurance, you need to purchase it young. If you're going to have uh, long-term care insurance, the younger you are, the cheaper it is, uh, uh, the more reasonable, I should say, that it is. Um, there are lots of things that need to be done in planning that are long-term, not short-term. Now, it's sort of like smoking. If you stop, you're going to get better very quickly. <laughs> and so if you haven't done the planning, then the, uh, the, doing it as soon as you can uh, makes a difference. The folks who procrastinate and say, well, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to be here tomorrow. I can put this off another day. I can put it off another month. I can put it off another year. You're making a horrible mistake. It's the kind of thing that now, if you haven't done it already, now is the time. If you did it 20 years ago, now's the time to update what you have, to get better advice and see where you stand now and the like. Uh, at least in my practice, one of the things that I always do when I have a husband and wife come in is I ask what their incomes are because it, it makes a huge difference. But I also go one step 
farther, which is really important, and that is what will your income be if your husband dies and what, to the other spouse, what will your income be if your, if your wife dies? Because they need to know what that is, and so many people don't. Um, it's, it's, you know, I've, it, it, uh, you know, I've been talking about this diet that I've been on, uh, and you know what the diet requires? What's that? That you know your blood type. Right. I can't believe how many people don't know their blood type. <laughs> yes, I mean, I had to know it because I was in the military. Yes, I knew it because I, I tried to give blood every opportunity for, to the uh, heart associate, uh, you know, to the Red Cross uh, uh, at all their blood drives. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's sort of an essential thing for people to know. And I'm surprised more people don't know their blood type then know it. So that's another thing you need to know. Get out there and find out what your blood type is. <laughs> Not just yours, but you also need to know your spouse's blood type, yeah, too. That because too. if there's an emergency situation, uh, you've, you've got to be Johnny on the spot. You can't be exactly um, digging through papers it, it, and things like that. It's just a real surprise to me that, that folks don't know that. But I'll, I'll go back and I'll preach. People need to plan, and they need to plan for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. And, and make sure that their family is taken care of uh, if they're not here tomorrow. Yeah. And if you've been one of these procrastinators that Bill has been talking about, you've been putting it off, call the office. Schedule an appointment to sit down with Bill and get your, your affairs in order. 919-256-7000 is the number to call. 919-256-7000 or go online to WGA Law. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. He's Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong, and we are taking a financial quiz. And Bill, I'm I'm a rock star at this point. I'm never going to outperform what I've done today. You so have, you have impressed. I will give you credit for that, Jason. All right, here's the next question, and I think this uh, this is a good one. Among women in their fifties. Which group is at a greater risk of a lower standard of living in retirement, single women or married women? Hmm. Well, uh, judging from our last segment uh, where you talked about you sit down with couples and you ask them how much they make and how much would they make if the other dies, I'm going to say married women in this situation. Dang, Jason, you are 100%. But you know that... The answer surprises most people. Of course. And actually, that uh, came out of a, um, the Center for Retirement Research at, at Boston College. Uh, but uh, the, the reason uh, that is stated is that two-earner couples tend to undersave for retirement. In about half of these couples... Only one of the earners out of the two has a retirement plan, and together they may not have served uh, saved enough money for both 
both spouses. And of course, generally speaking, the women, uh, more than 70% of the time, outlive their husbands. And of course, the other shocker that I, I discover at times is that the uh, husband has not made elections where the spouse, the wife, would receive a pension that would otherwise be received. And of course, that's okay if there's been financial advice at the time and a life insurance policy was purchased uh, by not making that election, but the majority of people make that election without buying life insurance to make up the difference to the surviving spouse. And so, and that's a really unfortunate uh, because sometimes the, the surviving spouse is totally destitute because not having sufficient income. About the only income that, that can be counted on would be the Social Security income of the wage-earning spouse when you have a homemaker uh, uh, and the like. But when oftentimes when you have two earners, you know, where both, both spouses are working uh, throughout the marriage, that's where you don't uh, – where one of them doesn't save enough money. And, and then when one dies, there's just not enough uh, for the survivor. Um, again, it, it is a planning issue. Where, why does it happen? Because people don't plan. And, of course, the other thing is that people live longer than expected. And so, if again, if you don't have enough money saved, there's a higher risk that the survivor will run out of money, which is uh, the ghost that plagues everyone. No, no one wants to run out of money in, in retirement. And it takes good planning, financial planning and legal planning, to uh, keep that from happening. But, again... It requires that you start early. There's so many things that you can do early um, that make make a difference. Uh, you know, w- one of the things that I – I mean, in terms of the money that you save early on is worth more money than you save later on. And a lot of folks don't understand how that works, but it's one of the reasons that I – uh, recommend to my well-to-do grandparents, and I have lots of little recommendations like this, that they help their grandchildren start a Roth IRA account. Uh, because, you know, when a 16-, 17-year-old starts working, they're not thinking about retirement accounts or even saving money. They're thinking about buying a, a car or going out on a, on a great date. <laughs> so... What I recommend when uh, for those folks who can afford to do so is to basically help their grandchildren uh, or their children uh, by establishing a Roth IRA to, to the uh, amount of money that they actually earn in the year. I mean, that is a maximum of, of $5,500, but, you know, a lot of – Younger people, they don't make that much money. They might have only made fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars for the whole year, uh, and your ability to contribute that to a Roth IRA on their behalf gets them those dollars saved early, where there's you know they have virtually no taxes at that point anyway. And of course, once it's in a Roth, it grows income tax free and is distributed. Uh, 
income tax-free. So it's the best of all worlds in terms of, of a type of investment that can be made, but it's for retirement. They, are, they, they can't take it out within five years, and they shouldn't take it out, although they can, prior to 59 and a half because of penalties that are incurred. So it's the kind of thing where you want it to be there for their retirement because, truthfully, the younger generations – are getting screwed when it comes to their ability to save money for retirement. You know, their pensions are going away. People are actually having to work longer and harder for less money. Uh, And those dynamics are just getting worse for the generations rather than better. And it's not anything that, uh, uh, that... we as the older generation can appreciate because it's just harder to live a good life. And this is the first generation that the majority of our children cannot live at the same standard of living, even if they're doing fairly well, that we have. You know, for my generation uh, and for, for every generation before me, every group, every generation did better economically than the generation before them. And so I live a higher standard of living than my parents lived. My parents lived a higher standard of living than their parents lived. They lived higher than their parents and on back uh, farther and farther. So it, uh, but our children are not in that same economic cycle anymore. That that cycle does not exist anymore. In fact, it's going the opposite direction, and it, and it's a real tragedy. Yeah, that's that's very scary to think of. And Bill, uh, I know we've got time for. Is there one last question here in the quiz? <laughs> well. We could, but I, I want to remind folks to come to our seminar because, you know, it's next Wednesday, and we have three seminars, and these are really important seminars for folks. Uh, long-term care is something that all families should get the information on. It's tricky. It's complex. Uh, they're not going to get good information uh, from a book. It doesn't exist. Uh, and um, it's really important information. So I do um, – recommend that folks do take the time out, spend a couple hours with us learning about uh, these very important topics. And again, it's all free. It's free to attend. We do ask that you register in advance. You can do that by going online to wgalaw.com. That's the website, wgalaw.com. You can't miss the big button there that says seminars. Or you can also call the office 919-256-7000, 2567000 and as bill alluded to this is information that you really can't find anywhere else and really there's no downside you're just attending and you're you're learning and you can do whatever you want after that uh, but there's there's really just no other place to find this information presented in a way where uh, you're not having a stack of books or a stack of papers uh, uh, thrown at you. It's it's presented in a way that's easy to understand. If you've listened to this show before, you understand that Bill has a, a gift for taking some very complex issues and making them understandable to the point where I even understand what's going on, which is truly a talent. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.
You're listening to Asset Protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander as we uh, start to wrap a bow on this week's episode. Bill, you've got one more question for me. My streak is on the line. Here it is. I think you're going to be okay with this one, Uh, but you'd be surprised where, where this one raises blood pressure. If out of the blue you get a phone call from the Internal Revenue Service saying that you owe $5,000 and if you don't pay it immediately, they're going to come out and arrest you, what is the chance of that call being legitimate with the law enforcement at your door? I I know the answer to this one. That would be a big fat 0% chance. Exactly. That is a scam uh, and a big time. And the same is true if you get that same irate phone call from the Social Security uh, as well. You know, either way, uh, if you get a phone call like that, it is a scam. And one of the best things people can do uh, to help themselves or if they're worried about their parents being at an age of vulnerability, knowledge is power. And one of the best places to get knowledge regarding scams is the North Carolina Attorney General's website. They, In that website, they have a link to uh, consumer protection Uh, And they have a listing of all of the major scams that are going on in North Carolina right now. And, you you know, as you read these scams, you will will recognize some of them. You won't recognize others. But the more you know about these scams, and then you can share them uh, with your family, uh, share them with your parents. uh, But the more knowledge you have, the better protected you are. Yeah. And another important part of that is to keep checking because these scams do evolve and there's new ones popping up all the time. We are out of time for today. I want to remind you, there's still time to register for Bill's seminars this Wednesday, November 13th. Call the office 919-256-7000. It's free to register 919-256-7000 or go online to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Remember, free to register. Check it out. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I am Jason Kong. Thanking you for joining us. We hope you'll do it again next Saturday morning at 11. It's Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful weekend.